I'm Alexandra Joe, Culture Manager at Parting Stone, and this is the Death Care Decoded podcast. In this podcast, we explore trends in the death profession by sharing valuable insights by industry thought leaders. Our mission is to bring forward thinking education to death care professionals. This week, we talked with Eric Newhouse, founder and CEO of Green Cremation Texas, about how first-generation funeral professionals can hack their way into a successful death care business. In our conversation, Eric shares his insight to the benefits of opening multiple storefront locations and goes into detail about his company's decision to invest in a mobile refrigerator. You're jumping into a conversation with myself, Justin Crow, founder and CEO at Parting Stone, and Eric Newhouse. So one thing that I really love, and you're a first, gener- first generation funeral director, is that correct? Uh, I'm, I am a provisional funeral director in that sense. So first generational, first generation funeral sure. professional. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, no one else in my family has any sort of relevancy to this, to this industry. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but one thing that I've noticed since being in this space and I've only been in it, I'm also a first generation funeral professional been in about four years now is that first generation funeral professionals are like a different kind of breed of person in this industry. And they very much, what I've found is they very much hack their way through things and they learn those lessons from the ground up where a lot of the people who have been in the industry for a long time adopt ways of doing things that are, that are already very successful. And in a lot of ways that's an advantage because they don't have to go through all of the multitude of failures, but in some ways I think it's a, it's, it's a disadvantage because they sometimes miss out on, on some of the new technologies. And one thing I really respect about you is that I've, I've heard of so many hacks that you've kind of gone through to, to get to where you are and so many experiments. Um, and I'm wondering if you, if you had any, there's a couple that I have in mind. I don't know if you want to talk about them, but if there's any hacks that you had in mind or like strategies that you've done that have been really successful, that aren't, that aren't super uh, maybe common or talked about or practiced in the, in the death care space. So, I mean, that's an interesting question because I don't know if what I'm doing is a hack or not, right? I don't have, I don't have the context or perspective to know anything different. Right. So like, I don't, I do something and I don't know if that is necessarily unique or novel as compared to what a traditional funeral home may, may do. So, I really have no answer for that. If you want to put something on the table, I'll, I'll be more than happy to talk to it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ask some specific questions. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one time you told me you told me a strategy that you implemented that seemed to work really well about how you you registered businesses in a bunch of different buildings around your region in order to expand your reach uh, of who was who was seeing your business. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that strategy? Yeah. So, I mean, having a localized presence is really important with any business. Uh, funeral homes are certainly no exec- exception. Uh, so we just looked at the rules and regulations and, you know, noticed that it, it doesn't say anything about curb appeal, right? <laughs> it doesn't say anything about aesthetics or, you know, having a like glass front door or anything like that. So, um, 
we we wanted to have a local presence in multiple communities and local 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 neighborhoods in central Texas. And the way that the way that to Texas Funeral Commission has structured their re- rules and regulations are such that you can have kind of a, one central fully licensed facility. And then I believe it's, it's a, it's either a 50 mile radius or a hundred mile diameter. I, I forget right now, but within a certain circle, you can have other exempt facilities, which essentially means you don't have an embalming room in those facilities, which is great for us because we don't offer embalming. And so we went out and established additional licensed facilities throughout the central Texas, throughout the Austin area. And, you know, we, we got it licensed because we followed all the rules. Um, they don't look very pretty, but that's by design. You know, we, we, we in, in essence, we kind of disregard the physical experience for our families and invest heavily in the digital experience for them. It's kind of funny you bring it up because just the other day we got this really not stellar review, uh, online review, uh, because apparently this gentleman drove past and was displeased by the aesthetics of our funeral home, which uh, frankly I, 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 it's a little bit prideful of because we we really don't <laughs> we don't invest in curb appeal and we are therefore able to save costs. And we pass those cost savings on to families. And so these families don't have to remortgage the home to have a meaningful cremation experience. Um, and that's really important to us. So I'm very happy not having a sexy curb appeal if that means that I can maintain affordability to our families. And are those those satellite locations, are they staffed? Sometimes, sometimes not. Um, we offer pickup locations families can choose through all one of our three locations to pick up cremated remains can you talk about for a second just for me who's not super familiar with you know your business and the industry in general because i'm new how does one run and operate a funeral home that is not staffed does that mean that literally everything is online if i'm understanding the question correctly my answer is we strongly discourage families from physically visiting. So literally everything is done online. Right. Yeah. So we look in, in our opinion, who actually really wants to visit a funeral home? Right. Right. I mean, how, how many people look forward to the experience of stepping into a funeral home? I don't know of anyone who would say, Oh, you know, I just, for fun on Sundays or Monday mornings, I just go and visit local funeral homes. I, I don't, I don't know anyone who says that. So, you know, the irony of you were talking about curb appeal. The, the, the irony of having a curb appeal if you are a funeral home is not lost on me, right? Because your families don't want to be there, but you're also dumping huge amounts of capital into that brick and mortar space. So for us, we, we take the approach of, okay, well, no one wants to visit us. Great. Like let's own that fact, right? Let's, let's be unabashedly proud of the fact that no one wants to come to a funeral home. Great. Okay. Check. And similarly, no one wants a funeral home director in their home, right? Do you, do you want a funeral home director in your living room? Like, I don't, I don't think so. No, no I, again, I don't, I don't know too many people who say, ah, oh, yeah, you know what? I just, 
I pretend I'm interested in a pre-plan just to have them come out and talk to me. And, you know, it's so great to sit down. Like, I don't know that. I, I, I've yet to encounter a consumer who says or feels those things. So because of those core tenets, we say, look, we're, we're going to focus on the digital and really create an environment that encourages people, people and families not to physically visit us. Um, and to go just to, I want to wrap, I want to conclude the, the satellite locations a little bit. Why did you, why did you want a bunch of different satellite locations, like from a practical standpoint? So, uh, families, consumers are really focused on a localized presence. You know, they want, even though we tell families like, please don't come in, there's no reason for you to come in. Right. Um, unless it's picking up cremated remains, even though we certainly express that to them, families feel comfortable knowing that you're a physical local entity, right? They feel comfortable knowing that you're a neighbor and they're inviting you into their lives at a point where they're very emotionally vulnerable and they don't know you know which way is up they don't know which way is forward which way is backwards and they're they're just trying to figure it all out as they go and having that reassurance that you're a, a physical presence that's that's local to them is important and that is the primary reason why we wanted to you know give our community the reassurance that you know we we are here we are physically planted here times three right and uh, we will we'll be here to support and love on you for as long as you need us. That makes sense. So to go back to a couple other hacks that I've, I've talked to you about in the past, um, one that I particularly liked was the uh, mobile body refrigerator. You, you got the biggest screen uh, on your face. Because <laughs> I love this. I think this is like... This is like such a brilliant solution to a problem. And I, 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 uh, I was wondering if you could talk about that. Why, what is the, the, this, and maybe I'm not even using the right terminology, honestly, but what is this and, and why did you, why did you go this direction? I mean, the, 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 so the, the primary reason why we went with having the optionality of mobility is because we're a startup. And as we grow, we will need our use case for space will, will grow with us. And I started looking at traditional walk-in coolers and the coolers themselves, frankly, aren't that expensive for, for what you get and the utility that you get out of it. The capital expenditure isn't extreme. What is extreme is the install and uninstall. That is where the expense really comes in. So if I had some 5,000 square foot facility that has been there for 50 years and isn't going to go anywhere, I absolutely would invest in the traditional walk-in cooling. Um, but for us, that wasn't an option because I don't want to have to spend thousands of dollars every time that we move locations. So I started looking at different ways to uh, develop a solution for that that problem of growth, that problem of scalability. And that's where mobile refrigeration came in. 
Um, and so it's essentially a walk-on cooler that I don't have to pay some one thousandths of dollars to move every time I need to move it. Um, and it's come in in handy. It's been very uh, it's been very important and very valuable, especially during the pandemic, because we have a lot of partners and friends in the space here locally, and uh, the the need for refrigeration has kind of ebbed and flowed as we've seen the pandemic take hold in in, in this state. And so having the ability to have mobile refrigeration uh, has been invaluable. And so it's it turned out to be a, a great thing for us and uh, more importantly, a great thing for our friends. Yeah. And can you, was there a specific point during the pandemic that this was really useful to yourself or somebody else in the community? And can you talk about that? Sure. Yeah. So we had... Uh, Back in July was was Texas's first spike in cases, and we were seeing that in our call volume almost on a daily, very direct basis. And having that cooler and being able to you know utilize it in such a way that it gave us optionality and it allowed us to maintain elasticity with respect to responding to the demand on services was really important. Um, as well as just you know moving cases around considering most if not all crematoriums at that point in time were completely at or over capacity and can you describe the the mobile body cooler just like what <laughs> what does it look like what is it i want to know what it is i mean i can't get a good image of this i don't, <laughs> I don't know if i'd call it a mobile mobile body cooler it, it... <laughs> That's not the category. <laughs> well, it, it just, it, it, in my opinion, it, it kind of, in some ways, it minimalizes, um, I think, the value of it. I mean, for us, it's it's essentially, sorry, what was your question? I want to make sure I answer it. The question was, can you describe it and just like paint a picture of, of what this is? Yeah, so it essentially, you know, we've all been to music festivals, right? So every single one of those food vendors or beverage vendors at these music festivals needs some sort of cooling or refrigeration that's mobile, right? You're not going to put a fixed walk-in cooler in the middle of a park because you need to have, you know, cold meat storage. So it's essentially that, right? It's, it's something that's been in the market for a long time. Uh, we didn't want to try to invent something that was new or novel because chances of it breaking were really high. So we wanted to find something that has been around for a few decades and the technology is as simplistic as possible because you can imagine if your refrigeration goes down, that's very much not a good thing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's essentially that it's, it's, you know, nothing that nothing too unique too novel, which is again by design i feel like that's kind of a theme that i've been talking about here which is keeping things super simple right keeping things very straightforward and if you overthink it chances are it's going to create problems down the road and so i'm going to leave i'm going to present kind of an open-ended question because i know you know the answer to this but are there any other kind of hacks or like creative solutions to tradition to like common problems in the industry that you've uh, kind of fought through that I, that, that I don't know about. I'm sure there are, right. I'm sure if you came and spent some time with us, you'd be like, wow, look at that. Whoa, look at that. Wow. Like, why are you doing it this way? 
but again, I don't have any context to know that, that what we're doing is any different than what someone else would be doing. Um, I will say one of the things that we're really excited about is taking some snippets or vignettes to use kind of a big word uh, of artificial intelligence and applying that towards towards what we're doing in kind of very distinct ways and creating a few use cases out of that and, and seeing what propagates from that uh, and the kind of lessons that we learn from that experience. So that's something that we'll be working on here in the next few months is, you know, how can we utilize or to use the L word leverage artificial intelligence to create better experiences for our families. Can, can you share what that might look like from a consumer standpoint or from a operational funeral home standpoint? I, I will have you experience it when we go live. How about that? All right. That's a deal. All right. Sure. <laughs> Great. Well, I think this is all super interesting information. Thanks so much for sharing your experience. Yeah, man. This production is brought to you by Parting Stone, who wants to remind you that when your families choose cremation, they don't have to receive cremated remains.